water vests on. He's got a vest. All right. God is good, is he not? Well, two of you think so. <laughs> God is good. God is good. He's good to us. He's good to us. Uh, it's, we, we have a, a, a building that we can come and worship God in. We have a group of people that we can come and worship to God together with. But most importantly, God is good because we have a reason to come and worship Him. Uh, because of our Savior and Jesus Christ, because of what He has done for us. Uh, take your Bibles and turn to Second Timothy, or sorry, Second Corinthians chapter, chapter uh, 2, check, chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Our text this morning is verses 1 through 3. One of the greatest things that, as children of God that, that we have uh, is, and hopefully it's the most important thing to us, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's, in fact, it's, it's that gospel that saved you. It is the gospel... Which, uh, th in which we stand. And th the truth is, it is that gospel which Satan has a desire to, to draw us away from, to, to, to bring doubt upon our hearts and minds of, of the truth of the gospel, to pervert the, the gospel. Uh, but the gospel is something that, in, in truth, is very simple. And it, it amazes me how we can take something that is so simple and try to make it difficult and complicated. But that's, that's just man. Uh, uh, you see something, you think there's got to be more to it. There's something this important, there must be more to it. But the truth is, it's got to be simple. The gospel has got to be simple because it's for everybody. Have you ever, have you ever tried to, 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 to teach somebody uh, who is, uh, Brother James is going through this right now. He's teaching all the classes, all the age groups. Uh, uh, so he's got uh, kids that are, uh, well, he's got, the older kids aren't back there, but, but a lot of the older kids uh, up to 11 years old or somewhere are back there, all the way down to the littlest ones. And to sit there and explain something so that everybody understands it isn't always easy. But the truth is, the best way to explain something is so that the simplest of us can understand it. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul says this to the Corinthian church, verse 1. Would to God you could bear with me a little in my folly, and indeed bear with me. For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear, lest by any means as a serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Verse 4 says, For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive another spirit, which you have not received, or another gospel, which you have not, not accepted, you might well bear with him. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the, I thank you for the gospel. Lord, I thank you for the power that's in the gospel. And and the work that it, that it has done in our hearts and lives. And God, I pray that you would speak to us this morning. God, for those here that today may have not fully understood the gospel or trusted in, the, in Christ for their salvation, that today would, you would open their eyes and their hearts to see it. And Lord, that they would not just have an understanding of it, but God, that there would be a conviction in their heart and a, a desire 
uh, to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ and the forgiveness that comes with that. God, for those of us that are saved, uh, Lord, we thank you for, for the power of the gospel in our lives and what it has done for us and in us. But, Lord, we pray that you would help us to cling to that gospel and not allow ourselves to be pulled away. Lord, help us to see the importance of it, the simplicity of it, uh, for ourselves and for the whole world. Lord, that we would uh, be able to stand firm in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We thank you so much for all you've done for us. Bless us now. Help us. Help me to preach your word, Lord, it, with your power, Lord, so that it would be as it, as it is in truth, your word, not my own. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Romans chapter 1, verse 16, if you want to look at it real quickly. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 says this. It's a this is a good one to memorize. If you don't already have memorized, maybe we'll do this one the, the, the next time. But it says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Uh, uh, in those days, uh, Paul, as a Jew and a Roman, uh, he, he, he was a, a man who, uh, who, who was not ashamed of the gospel. Now, you have to remember Paul's background. Paul came from the, the Judaism. He was a Pharisee. In fact, uh, he, he himself says that he was a, a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He sat underneath one of the, the famous teacher, uh, Pharisaic teacher, uh, Gamaliel. Uh, uh, he was well-educated and well-respected. He was a man of power before salvation. If you remember, on the road to Damascus, as he was going to, to persecute the church and bring, uh, having been given power by the, by the Pharisees, uh, he was going to arrest people and bring them from their homes and bring them to be judged and, and, and uh, uh, persecuted and possibly killed. Uh, uh, he met somebody. He met the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And from that moment on, his life changed. He was no longer the same person. And, man, I am so thankful that when I got saved, when I met Christ, not when I heard about Christ, not when somebody told me about Christ, but when I met Christ personally, there was a change in my life. And I've never been the same. I'm, I'm not perfect, and I, I, I don't claim to be perfect. But, but uh, Christ is working in me and continues to work in me. But that is the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It can take you no matter where you're at, no, no matter where you come from, no matter what mistakes you have made, no matter what your past is. Christ can take you. Christ can forgive you. Christ can cleanse you. Christ can set you on the right, on the right path and bring you back into fellowship with God, which we were created for. He created us for fellowship with Him. There is power in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there is nobody outside of the power. There's, there, there's nobody that, that the gospel of Jesus Christ cannot save. That's why the Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever. I love that. There's no limit to the capacity of the power of the gospel. It can save anybody. There's no, there's no one who's gone so far down deep into the depths of sin that God cannot save and cleanse and forgive. And that's the grace of God that we sang about just a few minutes ago. It's all about what God did for us, not about what we do for God. The problem is what is so powerful and honestly so simple is very easily perverted. It's very easily changed. In fact, the, uh, it's, the, the danger is in this world is that it has been twisted and tweaked just a little bit 
so that people begin to add things. Church membership, baptism, dressing this way, acting this way, doing this. Listen, God doesn't require anything from us. Jesus Christ did all the work, did he not? Now that doesn't mean we don't stay, that we stay the same. If, if, if there's no change in your life, if there's no, no chasing after, after God, there's no, there's no spiritual growth, if there's no spiritual fruit, then there's no spiritual birth. And Jesus said to John, or to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, ye must be born again. If there's no new birth, there is no new life. And if there is no new life, you are not in Jesus Christ. And you're still dead in your trespasses in sins. But there are a lot of people who, who they have allowed a, a twisting of the Scripture. They, they, they feel like they're safe and they feel like they're okay. That's a dangerous place to be. It's a dangerous place to be. So what is the gospel of Jesus Christ? Well, we find the gospel explained in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Turn over there with me if you would. Verse 1, Paul begins to explain the gospel, which, which he'd already preached to them, which they had already believed. We see it explained here in these next few verses. Verse 1 says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein you stand. He says, I have declared unto you the gospel. You received it, and you stand in it, because, because you are saved. By which also, verse number 2, ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. This is the first part of the Gospel. That Christ died. But Jesus Christ didn't just die. Everybody dies. It would, it would be an ignorant person to acknowledge or to think that, that Jesus Christ did not die. But guess what? One day you and I are going to die. Jesus Christ died for a purpose. Jesus Christ died according to this verse and according to Scripture. Uh, he died for our sins. There was a purpose for which Jesus died. Because our sin debt brought about a requirement uh, for the wrath of God to come upon our sin. Because God is holy and God is just. To be just means that, that sin must be paid for. A requirement of that. That's why the Bible says in Romans chapter 6, for the wages of sin is death. And if you're saved here today, you understand this, you have grasped this, and this uh, but this is important that, 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 we, that we fully grasp the truth that the gospel is this, that Jesus Christ died for the payment of our sins. But it doesn't end there. The verse continues on in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 4, and he was buried. And that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. The scriptures, the, uh, that which was foretold, uh, uh, the, the prophecy, the, the Old Testament prophecy said that the Messiah would, would die for our sins. Isaiah chapter 53 says that the, seeing the wrath of his, uh, the agony of his soul, God's wrath was satisfied. But he didn't stay in the grave. Praise God, we celebrate Easter, or what I like to call it, Resurrection Day. He rose again on the third day. He had victory over sin in his death, and he had victory over death in his resurrection. He is the first 
first fruits. That we, we have hope that we have eternal life because of the life that Jesus Christ has. Praise God. That is the gospel. That Jesus Christ died for our sins and he rose again the third day. Now Paul here in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he's writing to the Corinthian church. He's, he's concerned. Uh, in fact, it wasn't just the Corinthian church that was dealing with, with, a, with a perversion of the gospel or a twisting of, of, of uh, the gospel. But it, it, many of the churches back in those days, the Galatians uh, is written to the church of Galatia, who they were dealing with a group who would come in and they begin to twist and pervert the gospel, saying, yes, you believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, yes, and thou shalt be saved, but you've also got to fulfill the law. You've got to be circumcised or else you're not really saved. You've got to follow the, the Jewish law. And Paul dealt with the fact that, listen, it is, it is salvation by faith alone, that the Old Testament law was there to show us that we all fall short. And the, and the law does, does it not? How many of you have kept the Ten Commandments? All ten of them. Anybody? Truth is, none of us have kept the Ten Commandments. I've lied, stolen, right? And that's just two of them. I don't want to go through all the rest of them because the truth is we're guilty. The law is there is our schoolmaster. It teaches us that we all fall short of the glory of God. And that's what Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The, the, the danger of falling short of the glory of God, which we all do, is that the wrath of God must be satisfied. And so that's why Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. Not our physical death, but our spiritual death. The Bible says that in the end days, in the last days, in the book of Revelation, is that death and hell shall be cast into the lake of fire, and this is the second death. There will be judgment. It will be eternal judgment. It's not, going to be, it's not something that you can endure and then finally make your way to heaven. There's not, this idea of purgatory isn't true. It's nowhere found in Scripture. It is eternal. You have either eternal life or eternal death. That is the gospel. Paul, again, dealing with them, says in verse number 3, But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve, though through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. He was concerned that there were those uh, that, were, that would pervert or twist, uh, that would uh, make the gospel more complex than it needs to be. Uh, because when you make something more complex, you add, and you're adding things to it, you pervert it, it loses its power. It loses its ability now listen, there is power in the gospel, but there is not power in salvation by Jesus Christ and. The salvation is through Jesus Christ alone. We sing the song, in Christ alone, my hope is found. Right? Our, our salvation is in Jesus Christ alone. Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He didn't say, I am a way, I'm a truth and a life. No, he says he is the way, the truth, and the life. Proverbs 13, 15 says this, Good understanding giveth favor, but the way of the transgressors is hard. It's important for us to have good understanding of what the gospel is. Now again, Paul is concerned. We see the, uh, con the concern of the man of God. He says, but I fear, verse 3. His, his fear was that their hearts, uh, that, that, that they would be drawn away from the gospel. In Galatians, again, he says, he says this, uh, how, how quickly they have been drawn away, or what hath hindered you? He was concerned. In verse 1, Paul calls it folly. It's, it's the foolishness of, of uh, 
of the, this being turned from the gospel to, uh, to be taken from it. It, it. it is a foolish thing to allow your mind to be changed. In the book of, uh, uh, I think it's Second Thessalonians, uh, uh, Paul is talking to the Thessalonian church, and he talked about how he came and they preached to them in chapter 1, and how uh, God, God uh, maybe it's First Thessalonians, uh, how, uh, turn over there real quickly, I want to make sure we get this right. I don't want you to look at it later and say I, I, I lied to you. First Thessalonians chapter one. Maybe this chapter two. Or second Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians chapter. First Thessalonians chapter 1, Paul says this, For our gospel, verse 5, came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And ye became followers of us, of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that you were examples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. Uh, from, from you sounded out uh, the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to Godward is spread abroad so that we need not speak anything. Uh, he said, we preach the gospel to you. Uh, but uh, the word of God came not just in their word, but in power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, it had an effect on them. Their lives were changed. Uh, the, the, there is power in the, holy, in the word of God. Chapter 2, got to find the verse here in chapter 2. It says that the word of God came not unto them, but they received it as it was in truth, the word of God. Of God. First Thessalonians chapter two, verse thirteen is where it is. That's why I can't find it. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when we receive when you receive the word of God which ye heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. It's important for us to know that the, the, the gospel is not my opinion. Or your opinion. But it's the Word of God. It's what God has to say, not, not what we have to say. We all have our own opinions, do we not? We are an opinionated people. <laughs> oh, come on now. We're an opinionated people. Uh, we, all, we, all look at, uh, we, we can all look at the same situation and come out with a better way to do it than everybody else has. And if they don't do it our way, then they're wrong. Can I tell you this? There's only two ways to do things. I, my dad used to say this all, all the time. He goes, either my way or the wrong way. But the truth is, it's either God's way or the wrong way. There's only one way to heaven. There's only one way to salvation, and that is through Jesus Christ. Now, again, uh, Paul's concern. Uh, he says, but I fear. Uh, he talked about the foolishness of it. Uh, there's a possessive nature uh, as he talks about them. Uh, uh, he's concerned of them. Verse 2 says, for I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. Now, uh, we think of jealousy as a sinful thing. Uh, you shouldn't be jealous. And, and in love, we won't be jealous. Uh, but, but there are certain things that uh, times when jealousy isn't sinful. The Bible says that God is a jealous God. In fact, it says his name is jealous. But is it wrong for me to be jealous of my wife? Meaning, I shouldn't want my wife to go after another guy? 
that's okay. Because she's my wife. And I'm her husband. And that means I need to keep my eyes on her and not on anybody else. Hey, 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 so, hey, 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 God, listen, uh, if we are God's children, we belong to him. And Paul's saying he's concerned and that he's jealous over them because he doesn't want to see uh, Satan come in and destroy any of their homes and destroy any of their faith, destroy any of their testimonies. He says, I'm jealous over you. There's Paul's possessiveness. We see Paul's preaching to them. He says, for I have espoused you. The espoused is a, is a marital term. When uh, We would say now that they got engaged. He said, uh, he's saying that he's espoused them. Uh, he's, he, he led them to the Lord Jesus Christ through the preaching of the gospel. Aren't you glad somebody preached the truth of the gospel to you one day? You are espoused to Jesus Christ. We see the preparation. Uh, it was to one husband, and his name was Jesus. Uh, listen, we're not saved so that we can follow after every other God in this world. So say, well, I don't follow other gods. You place anything before God, and you follow it. That's your God. Espoused unto one husband. Presented that I may present you, uh, that we might be brought forth before the Lord, a chaste virgin to Christ. Uh, God has every right to be jealous of us, uh, have, have every desire to not want us to follow after a false gospel, a twisted gospel, and a perverted gospel. What Paul is afraid of is, is, uh, is, is we, as he talks to them is the corruption of their minds. We see that in verse 3. For I fear lest by any man means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Turn to, with me, if you would, to Genesis chapter 3. Paul's referring to the, uh, Genesis chapter 3, the account of, of Adam and Eve, and Eve being, uh, being uh, uh, deceived by Satan. Verse number 1, we see this, Now the serpent was more subtle. There's that word we just saw in 2 Corinthians. The serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. What does it mean to be subtle? It means to be, means to be deceptive. It means to, to, be, to be wily or tricky. Have you ever been tricked? Have you ever been fooled? Uh, uh, typically, when that happens, it, it means something's been twisted, something's been changed, uh, you've been presented with, with something that's false uh, to either cause you to do something or to, 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 or to get a reaction. When I, was a, uh, when I was in my early 20s, I used to, actually 19 years old, I was working for a landscaping company. And uh, uh, we, would, uh, we did all kinds of different things. And one of the things we would do was uh, we had uh, big contracts with several apartment buildings. And uh, we, would, uh, we would edge their flower beds with an with a edger. But one of the dangers of being in, in areas like that especially was that they had a lot of electrical lines that run from the, underneath the flower beds. And you'd go through and, and you had to be careful. You didn't cut the lines because if you cut one of those lines, it ain't going to feel very good. Well, one day we were, we were doing one, and we hit one of those lines, and thank the Lord nobody got hurt. But we saw that as an opportunity to scare somebody. So, so uh, uh, one of the guys laid on the ground, the guy who was running the, running the machine, and he laid on the ground next to the machine, and I ran and told the supervisor, Mike just got hurt. And he runs back, and he sees the, the, the thing laying down, the wire sticking up the air, and a guy laying. He was not happy to find that Mike wasn't hurt. <laughs> we, I, we were deceptive. We, we took what had happened and we twisted a little bit and we scared the snot out of him. Now, that was a joke. It was a prank. But listen, when Satan is decept deceiving us, he's being deceptive. He's twisting the truth. 
And we see it here in Genesis chapter 1, or Genesis chapter 3, sorry. Here the, this, this serpent who is more subtle than any beast of the field says this, And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. The very first thing Satan does is he causes her to question the word of God. Is this really what God said? Did God really say that you can't eat of every tree of the garden? Her response in verse 2 is this. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the garden, fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Here we see a danger. Is that what God said? Turn back to one chapter. And look at verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. He said don't eat of it. He didn't say a word about don't touch it. She didn't have a full knowledge, a full understanding of what God had said. There, uh, there was a, a danger in her, in her lack of understanding of the Word of God, and Satan pounced on that. He said, is this really what God said? And then he, began to, then he caused her to question the goodness of God. He goes, it says in verse 4, And the servant said unto her, Ye shall not surely die. He's, he's saying, no, what, what the Bible says, is what God said isn't really true. For God doth know. He says, hey, listen, God knows if you eat of it, you're going to become like him. You'll become like a God. You'll have knowledge of good and evil, and he doesn't want you to have that. He begins to question the motivation. He begins to question the, the nature of God. Deceptive. And he goes on to say, that in the days ye eat of thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And he begins to take the truth and again twist it a little bit. Yes, they knew good and evil after they ate of the fruit of the garden. But they also realized their sin. They also realized they'd broken the commandment of God and that fellowship was broken. You notice immediately after they, 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 she, she partakes of it, she gives it to her husband, he partakes of it. Uh, they, they, they realize they're, they're naked for the first time. They, they, they sew, try to sew themselves aprons to cover their nakedness and they hide from God when he shows up. Deceptiveness. And Paul's saying in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter, uh, chapter 2, his concern is, is this. That his concern is that, that, that their minds, the people, the, those uh, children of God, those, those in the church at Corinth, that their minds will be perverted because Satan is subtle and he is deceptive and his desire is to change the gospel in their hearts and minds so that they won't be placing their faith and trust in Christ alone. We know that Satan doesn't want the gospel to be preached and to be understood. Paul says this, if the gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost. That the God of this world hath blinded the hearts and minds of those that do not believe. So that they cannot see the glorious light of the gospel. Because if they could, what would they do? They'd believe. They would understand. They would place their faith and trust. So Satan's trying to deceive and to blind and to confuse and to prefer. He has reason, to, he has desire to do this. So he seeks to corrupt their minds. So what does he do? He gives a counterfeit message. We see it here in verse 
Verse number 3. But I fear lest you by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if ye received another spirit which ye have not received, or, or another gospel which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. For I suppose I was not a whit behind the very chiefest apostles, but though I be rude in speech, yet not in knowledge, but we have been thoroughly made manifest among you in all things. It's important for us to understand that the power of the gospel is not in how we speak. It's not in the words that I use. It's in the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 11, John the Baptist questioned whether Jesus was the one whom that they would follow. Verse 2 says this, Now when Jesus had, or John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples. Now this was the cousin of Jesus Christ, the one who said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Uh, he's the one who pointed several of the apostles to Christ. Uh, now he's sending, them to the, sending his own disciples to Jesus and saying, Art thou... He that should come, or do we look for another? Verse 4, and Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Listen, there is no other like Christ. There is no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved. It is Jesus Jesus, 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 the sweetest name I know. It is, it is the name of Christ that, that, that resounds in the heart of every believer because it is, it is our faith and trust in what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross that brings us salvation. But there are others who claim that. There were those in those days that did that. First John chapter 2, verse 18, uh, John says this, Little children, it is the last time, and as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now there are many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. There were others who were preaching a, a, a message that was uh, different than the Gospel of Jesus Christ. There, there was another spirit. First uh, John 4, 1, but he says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times, and some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Now, I'm, listen, I'm not telling you that there are people out there trying to get you to worship, worship the devil. I'm saying the devil is out there trying, confusing people into worshiping something besides Jesus. And there are, are false doctrines. And there all are false teachers. All you have to do is turn on the television. All you have to do is go into the bookstore, even a Christian bookstore, and look through the lists of, of, of books. Listen, I'm not saying every book that's ever been written or is being written even today is, is, is wrong or, or, or ungodly. Uh, what I'm saying is there are a lot of people that will put in just enough truth to make it sound good, and then they pervert it just a little bit. Listen, that is dangerous. It is dangerous. Because if you're not well-versed, like Eve was not well-versed in what God had said, if you're not well-versed in what the Bible says, you'll look at it and say, that sounds pretty good. That sounds similar to what I've heard or what the Bible says. And they've got you. 
Satan is subtle. There's false doctrines. There's false teachers. There's devilish spirits. There's another gospel. We mentioned it in Galatians chapter 1 already, but verse 6 says, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ into another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you, then that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I again, say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that you received, let him be accursed. It's important for us to cling to the truth of the gospel and not allow our minds and our hearts to be affected and perverted and drawn away from the simplicity that is in Jesus Christ. There is the simplicity of our reception of Jesus Christ. Luke 18 says this, But Jesus called them unto him and said, Suffer little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive this kingdom of God is as a little child, as a little child shall in no wise enter therein. We need to have the faith of children. I think I believe our faith can be reasonable. I think it's reasonable to have faith in the Lord and to believe the Bible. It's good for us to, to study the Scriptures and to study the Word and to study the, the, the world around us. But it comes down to faith. Faith is inevitably a step into the unknown. And the world is being, is being perverted and, and pulled away from the Gospel by something that even requires even more faith than faith in the Word of God. They, they will tell you that this world just came out of nowhere. And that we all evolved over billions and billions and billions of years until we've got to the place where we are now. But I tell you, who has a watch that they would that they let me borrow? Anybody? Nobody? Well, you'd probably be good not to actually let me borrow one. Because what I would do is I would bash it till it was broken to pieces, and then I would shake it and say, if that's true, once if I shake this long enough, it will all come back together. Would any of you let me borrow your watch for that? What? <laughs> Brother Dancer, sure, you have mine. Because it's ignorant. You don't walk down the street and look at a building and say, huh, amazing, that thing just popped up there. Wow! You see a car driving down the road, and like, wow, it's evolved so much. It used to be just a, a cart being pulled by a horse, but now it can go by itself. No, it had a designer, it had a creator, it had a builder. Guess what? So did you. His name was God. His name is Jesus Christ. But this world will tell you that, 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 that this is how it happened. And it takes more faith to believe that this just all happened somehow. That the laws of physics... Listen, it, 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 mentally it's insane. It makes no sense. I'm not trying to, to, to deny science. I'm saying that science does not prove everything that there's much there in science that is by faith i believe the bible that science proves bible it's simple we need to have faith simple faith faith of a child 
John chapter 1 says this, That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Simple faith. It did not say as many as believed on him and joined Fellowship Baptist Church. I, 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 want, I want our church to grow, but it grows as God grows the church, amen? You don't get saved by being a member of our church or any other church. You don't get saved by, by being baptized. I want to see new converts get baptized. And praise the Lord when that happens because that is a step of obedience uh, uh, to the Lord as, as we follow the example of Jesus Christ. We follow the command of, of God. But it does not contribute to your salvation. You are saved by your faith in Jesus Christ. We're not saved by tithing. The Bible tells us, would a man rob God? As a child of God, uh, what all I am and all I have belongs to God, and we're, we're, we're called to, to give and to give with joy. But listen, that giving with joy doesn't ensure your salvation. You're not saved because your mama was a Christian or your daddy was a Christian. I was in church from the time I was the very first Sunday right up until I was uh, until I walked away from the Lord for a little while in my in my twenties. That didn't save me. My kids, as much as I love them, they're not saved because they're the pastor's kids. And your kids are not saved because you come to church. It really all revolves around our own faith. In Jesus Christ. Matthew 11, Jesus said this, Come unto me, all you that labor, and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Our salvation, uh, the, the simplicity of our, our, of our reception of the Gospel, our reception of Jesus Christ, is simply this. Do you believe? Do you believe? The, 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 the jailer in, in Philippi, with Paul and Silas are, are locked away. They've been beaten for preaching the gospel. Uh, they, they're praying at midnight and, and praising God. And the Bible says that the, the earth shakes and the, the doors broke open. And, and uh, they were loose uh, from their bonds, uh, but they didn't leave. And the jailer, thinking that they had all escaped, was about to kill himself. And they said, don't do thyself no harm. We're all still here. And he said, what must I do to be saved? And he said, well, I've got a 13-point list of things that you've got to do. And once you accomplish this, um, then you know for sure that you're saved. That's a different version of the Bible, one that we don't use. In fact, I don't think you'll find that version anywhere. What they said was, believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. God does not require you to clean yourself up before you place your faith and trust in Him. He requires that you believe. And He will cleanse you. He will wash you. He will give you. He will give you life. 
believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, shall we say the simplicity of our reception of Christ and the simplicity of our regeneration through Christ. Turn your Bibles over to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. Verse 3, Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus, a Pharisee, who had come to him by night. Apart from all the others, he wanted to, to talk to Jesus, and this is what Jesus said unto him in verse number 3. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter into the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, You must be born again. He's trying to describe to an adult uh, what being born again means. And just like everybody else, uh, uh, Nicodemus made complex what Jesus Christ was trying to make simple. Uh, uh, we all understand what birth is. When, 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 new, life is, uh, when, when new life is born. When, uh, when, when, uh, when a, a child comes, comes into this world, and uh, I am so thankful for the miracle that that is. I don't fully understand it. I understand the science of, of how all those things work, but science doesn't explain the miracle of birth. Yes, we can look at how, how all those things work, and you can study that all out, but we can't replicate it. We can't make it happen. It's a miracle. Jeremiah, Bible said about, uh, God told Jeremiah that he knew him in his mother's womb. David, he said that, uh, that, David said, uh, that he was knit uh, by God in the inward parts. Before he was ever, before he was born, uh, there was life there before that conception. But but Nicodemus says, "I don't understand what you mean. I got to be born. You're, you're saying I've got to somehow get back up into my mother's womb." And it, no, no. There's a picture. We understand that. He says, "That which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit, spirit." There is a physical birth. You have all. None of you hatched from an egg or crawled out from under a rock. You've all been born. Well, maybe all of you. I'm kidding. But the picture of the physical birth is a, is a representation of the spiritual birth. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. He said, Jesus said, if you do not have the physical or the spiritual rebirth, then you've not been born again. If there is no spiritual life in you, if, there is no, if, if it is not there, then you are still dead in your trespasses and sins. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, Paul tells us that we were dead in our trespasses and sins, but God quickened us, made us alive through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Speaking of the new birth, verse 15 of John chapter 3 says this, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Simple belief. 
But, but we as, as mankind want to look at the simplicity of salvation in Jesus Christ and say, there's got to be more to it than just believing. There's got, there's got, it, it, it's got to be more, more complicated than that. It reminds me of Naaman uh, back in the Second Kings, Second uh, Kings chapter five, and Naaman comes to Elisha. He's a he's a he's a powerful man, a powerful general, and he comes to the man of God in Israel uh, because uh, the servant girl uh, has has sent him saying that he can heal him. He's got leprosy. Uh, it's a, a disease that makes his, his flesh literally rot off of him, and he he's looking for for some help. And he goes to the man of God, and and, and he doesn't actually even get to meet with the man of God. The man of God's servant comes out and says. This is what Elisha said for you to do. Go take a bath in the Jordan. Dip yourself seven times and you'll be clean. You know what his response was in verse 10? Verse 11, but Naaman was wroth. He was angry and went away and said, Behold, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call in the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and receive the, and recover the leper. He says, I wanted him to come out and make a big show of it. You know, I'm an important person. He should, if this is a big thing, he should have come out and, and declared that God was going to heal me and strike his hand and I'd be healed. That's not what happened. He wants me to go and just take a bath? To what? Aren't there, in fact, he says, that, he says in the next verse, uh, are not uh, Abana and Fapar rivers of Damascus better than all the rivers of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. He was given a simplistic goal. Just go with, follow in obedience and wash yourselves in the river. Thankfully, his, his servant was able to reason with him. Verse 13, the servant came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee to, some, to do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather than when he saith unto thee, Wash and be clean? Then he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. He simply did what he was told to do. Listen, all we got to do is simply do what God calls us to do, and that's believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. We are saved by faith in Jesus Christ. Don't allow the false teachers of this world, don't allow the reasoning and, of your heart, because listen, our hearts are, de are deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? There will be times in your life when you might even question your salvation. And for every child of God, I can almost guarantee you that that has been you at some point in time. Where, where the, a voice has risen up within you to condemn you, or, or Satan has whispered in your heart and said, you wouldn't do that if you were a Christian. But I love 1 John chapter 3. It says, when our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts. Because there are times when I've thought, how could I do this? How could I think this? Well, well, there's no way I can be a Christian. There might be, even be other people that said, hey, how could you be a Christian? But we are not saved by our own thoughts, our own hopes. We're not saved by the opinions of other people. We're saved by God's grace and mercy in Jesus Christ. Cain and Abel were both brought sacrifices before the Lord. Abel brought of the flock, a lamb without blemish. Cain brought of the fruit of the field. Only one was accepted. And Cain so angry and jealous of his brother that he eventually killed him. But can I say this? 
If you're, the offering that you are bringing to the Lord is not what God has called for, He is not accepting it. Our salvation is in Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ alone. Titus 3 says this, verse 4, But after that which the kindness and love of God our Savior toward no man toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which He shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by His grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. 1 Peter 4, uh, one eighteen. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversations received by the traditions from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. We don't need to do anything to, to deserve it. We don't need to do anything to earn it. We just need to trust in what Christ did for us. The precious blood of Jesus that was shed for you and I that purchased our redemption. That's where our salvation comes from. Don't allow anything to... To, to, to draw you away from Him. Come unto the Lord. If this, today you, you are outside of Jesus Christ, remember that He is calling you to come unto Me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace you save through faith, and then not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's nothing that we can do. It's everything that Christ did for us. Acts chapter 4, verse 10 through 12, Peter's preaching. says, Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is a stone which was set at naught for, uh, of, ye, of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There are religions all around this world that teach another gospel. There are churches all over this world. Christian churches that are slightly allowing the gospel to be twisted and perverted, to add to faith in Jesus Christ. But I'm here to remind you this morning, and listen, if you know this, praise God. Hold on to it. Our salvation is in Jesus Christ alone. And if you have been putting your hope or your, and your, or your faith in anything else, or Jesus Christ and anything. It's a perverted gospel. It's a subtlety. It's a deceitfulness. It's a twisting of the truth, an adding to, which changes. But remember that the salvation is furnished freely to us. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ the Lord. It costs us nothing, but it costs Jesus everything. Salvation is final. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. It says that He is able to keep that which I have committed unto Him against that day. There's nothing that, that I need to, to, to add to it. And there's nothing that I need to do to keep it. My salvation is in Christ, and the keeping of my salvation is in Christ. Jesus described it as, in, as his, his are in His hand, and His hand is covered by the Father's hand. And no man can pluck them out of my Father's hand, he said. Salvation is forever. There are those that would teach that, that salvation uh, can be lost or taken away. Uh, or, or is uh, Listen, eternal life is eternal. Everlasting life literally means everlasting. It lasts forever. And how can it be everlasting if it can be lost? How can it be everlasting if 
if it doesn't last even to the end of this life. Salvation is for everybody. These are things that cannot be changed. The Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Cling to it. Remember it. Hold to it. Stand upon it. Because it's that truth, that gospel that saved you. If it saved you, it can save somebody else. The power of the gospel is not limited. The only limit is our belief or lack thereof. Their belief or lack thereof. Faith, the Bible says, cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. How shall they call on whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? It is not the job of the pastor to preach the gospel to, to all the world, to all those that are around us. It is my job, but it's not only my job. The job, the responsibility of preaching the gospel, that ministry has been given to each and every one of us. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. When's the last time you did it? When's the last time you shared the gospel with somebody? When's the last time you told somebody what God did for you. See, but I don't, I don't, I, I can't rightly really teach people uh, the the doctrine of of uh, uh, I can't remember the words uh, the doctrine of salvation. Uh, how all of this works. Listen, tell people what God did for you. Share the scriptures that God spoke to your heart about. You don't need to be able to explain every scripture. Please study it. Study to show thyself a prudent to God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Study the word of God, but don't let where you're at now keep you from sharing the gospel. Share the gospel. Share the love of Christ. Share the work of Christ in your life. And this morning, if you're here and you've trusted in anything else, remember that the gospel is simple. Jesus Christ died for your sins, according to the Scripture. And he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. That is the simplicity of the Gospel. Father, I thank you for this day. God, I thank you for, for all that you've given to us for the, for the Gospel, or for the Spirit, which helps us to see and understand. And God, I pray that you help us to cling to uh, this wonderful truth, or this doctrine of, of grace uh, that's been given to us. Uh, God, I pray that our hopes and our faith would truly be in Jesus Christ alone. And God, if there's one today... Uh, that's not trusted in you uh, in, alone. They've, never, they've been trusting in their own works or their own self or, or what they can uh, do in this world. God, I pray you'd help them to see the truth is that they need Jesus Christ and him alone. And God, I pray that you'd help us to, 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 to be studied up enough in the word of God that we would not be drawn away uh, from the truth of that, Lord, the simplicity of it. But, Father, we would stand firm in it. Lord, that we would do that by knowing the word, clinging to it. Or living it. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Heads bowed, nights closed just for a moment. We're going to pray in a moment, but maybe you're here this morning and say,